to the audio version of the Big Island Hawaii Ultra podcast number eight. Our interview with Billy Barnett, uh, quite well-known Billy. Uh, he is indeed the cover boy on the book Born to Run and uh, a good friend. And we were lucky enough to sit down with him and talk a little bit about his past. We didn't get into a lot of the um, adventures that he's had, so we're going to call this part one, our interview with Billy Barnett. Uh, how did this happen? Aloha! We have Billy Barnett. Happy Wednesday, Billy. Happy Wednesday. How are you? How's things where you live? Oh, it's great. It's a nice sunny day here in Volcano. So we've been doing a lot of yard work, a lot of digging around and planting and enjoy, enjoying the weather. I, 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 I saw your significant other, Alex. I saw she had posted that she was uh, something about ginger. Yeah, we had that invasive ginger that's just rampant here in Volcano. So we've been cutting it and pulling it up and just trying to clear it out so we can plant stuff. What's the, what's the weather today? Is it windy today? Today it's uh, pretty windy up here. Yeah, it's a little breezy, but not, you know, pretty ideal volcano day. It's like, a, it's like the spring or fall kind of year round. One reason why I love it so much. Yeah, I, I feel somewhat guilty when uh, I see other people posting their weather, uh, you know, on the mainland and stuff. And it's kind of like, well, uh, sorry, 75 degrees for our high and about 56 for our low every day. It's hard to complain. <laughs> oh, but everybody has the right to complain. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and today I have, a, I brought out special, I brought the lava lamp out, I got back here. Psychedelic. By, by the tailwind, you know, thank you, Tailwind. Uh, thank you, Maggie, and everybody at Tailwind for uh, sponsoring me. And oh yeah, this is a good time if you've got anybody you want to have you sponsor you, you know, this, we can put them into the show and stuff. Uh, I'm not, I you know, I've always kind of... I thought consumerism isn't good for the collective conscious. So I've kind of, you know, I'm stubborn in that regard. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a great attitude, I think. I agree with that, too. I see too much of it nowadays. So, Mr. Barnett, Billy Barnett, I've known you for, I don't know, 20 years, 15 years, and I don't really know that much about you. I mean... Where, where were you raised and stuff? I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I uh, went to school in Richmond, Virginia, and kind of, so I'm from the East Coast and grew up there, and that's when I got into running and health and fitness and, and all that stuff, so. Well, when you, when you say you grew up in Virginia Beach, so my guess then would be, were you ever a lifeguard? Yeah, I was a lifeguard for, like, see, eight summers, so that was... Kind of, that was one of the catalysts for running was I'd have so many breaks. I would run along the beach and swim. So kind of, and got into paddling there too. So lifeguarding was a big part of, of my growing up. Where'd you go to high school? I went to high school at, uh, in, right in Virginia Beach. Uh, Frank W. Cox High School. It's a pretty big school. And I grew up playing baseball and wrestling for a little bit. And that's kind of where, let's see, when I was in seventh grade, my parents for Christmas one year, or when I was in seventh grade, gave me a, a gym membership and a subscription to, uh, it was like this book, Body, Body for Life, and a gym membership. And that's what kind of got me into health and fitness was like 
I just became obsessed with like working out and lifting weights. And then I played baseball and my dad built a batting cage in our backyard. So I always loved just, I would just go hit for hours and hours. And I think that's kind of similar to running, just like the meditative, like, you know, maybe that's why I like running so much. It's kind of like a meditative activity where you can just do and kind of zone out. So maybe growing up with a batting cage in my backyard had something to do with it. I loved baseball. I mean, back in the day, you know, a long time before you, but uh, we would go out and there was no like, hey, I'm going to go play baseball. They knew I was going to go play baseball. And eight hours later, when it got dark, I'd be back. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I quit when I was in, let's see, when I was a uh, see, junior in high school is when I quit and kind of started growing out my hair and just kind of like rebelled and was like, ah, screw baseball. I'm just going to surf and you know, and surf and run and, you know, not be involved with any team sports. So. <laughs> That's funny because I never knew about Amy. I, I never realized uh, I interviewed Amy a couple days ago that she was a big, she's a big surfer. Yeah. This is a good place to be for ocean, you know, mountain and ocean activities. <laughs> so back in Virginia Beach, uh, when you were becoming a hippie, and I'm assuming wearing tie-dyed shirts and stuff like I did when you, oh, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> was back there, and um, it, it, was, it was being, uh, uh, I don't want to say solitary, but it was like your pursuits seemed to be more, like you said, not team-oriented. So how did you pursue your you know, your pursuit, you know, how did you pursue sports that were not team oriented? Was it just running? No, surfing, really. I guess um, it started with surfing um, when I was in high school. Like me and some friends, we would just kind of, we would just surf all the time. And that's what we were obsessed with. And then that sort of like morphed into running when, um, when I was in college. I just started running and heard about a 50 mile um, trail race. And I was like, oh, and it just sounded like a child, a cool, cool challenge to try. So. That's how I got into running ultra marathons. Did, did you, do you remember what 50 miler it was? It was the Mountain Masochist in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's uh, one of the David Horton races. So he's kind of like a ultra running legend you know, that he puts on a lot of races still up in that area. So what was it? Was, uh, so it's a trail race. Is it an East Coast kind of trail race? Um, it's, it's really, it's a lot of elevation gain. I think there's about 8,000 feet of elevation gain in the 50 miles. So it's kind of, you know, it's like the typical Appalachian where it's just short, like short, steep climbs, but it's a, uh, you know, it was tough and it was a cool challenge. And I, after I did that, I was just sold, you know, hooked on, on ultra running. Yeah. It's funny. All it takes is that one time out in the middle of nowhere, maybe by yourself or with other people and you go, Hey, I like this. Yeah. yeah. Have you, have you ever, uh, um, run any of uh you know sean blanton the run bum oh no i, I never run any of his races but i'd like to and I, I i've been living here for the past 12 years so i haven't really run you know a ton of races outside of you know outside of outside of the island in hawaii so it's because it's so hard to, it's been so hard to travel a lot you know it's expensive to go anywhere so yeah people don't realize that our travel time is anywhere from five to, to shoot 10 hours to get to races and stuff. And it's not like we can jump in a car. And, I mean, we are lucky. We'll talk about the races we have here. We can, you know, here we can jump in a car and go to a race, but not like on the mainland. I know you have a whole, you know, the whole continent really, you know, to, to choose from. You just get in a car and drive across the country if you wanted to. 
Well, that's that. That used to be, I mean, back in the day when I was, I was living in Colorado, living in Aspen, I lived in a Ford Supervan for years. You know, it was all I needed. You know, it was fine. Where did you grow up at? Oh, I grew up in, I grew up in Chicago, got out of there as soon as I saw anything else, uh, moved to Minnesota, went to school in Minnesota. So I was up in the Boundary Waters canoe area. You'd love it up there. That like oh, and like Duluth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, uh, Highway sixty six, as uh, the Bob Dylan uh, song says, and it's just it's great up there because there's no motorized uh, boats, there's no planes that are allowed to fly overhead, and it's just these crystal clear uh, lakes that you can you can paddle in. Whew, yeah, it sounds nice and quiet. A, a little different from our oceans here. So how would you compare surfing Virginia Beach to surfing West Coast? Or did you ever uh, surf on the West Coast? Um, never, on, yeah, never in California or in Oregon, but um, so pretty much just the, just the East Coast in here. I mean, here, like the, the East Coast is rough. I mean, the Atlantic is, can be mean. It's just, just has this like raging feel to it. Where here it's, you know, more of a gentle, you know, unless there's some sort of windstorm, but it's, you know. It's yeah, definitely definitely a different experience. Yeah. Have any uh, 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 underwater stories uh, um, back in Virginia Beach where it was like, oh, I wasn't sure if I was going to come up? Oh, yeah, a lot. I mean, especially in uh, Outer Banks of North Carolina, Hatteras. Like that's kind of where I've been held down the most. Like the where I almost thought I was going to die. It was like a kind of like a big day there, and just being held under and tossed around. But even back from my like, earliest memories as a kid, I can I remember like liking that feeling though of like being like tossed around underwater and just completely relaxing and just being like thrown around like a rag doll kind of like I've never minded that. It's always like been a peaceful kind of experience. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's I think a lot of a lot of surfers and a lot of water sports people would say the same thing that they feel very calm in the water. Definitely. And I kind of, it's similar to, I've been doing the past several years, I've been like practicing like um, a lot of different like breathing techniques and um, like you might've heard of like the Wim Hof breathing technique. So that's kind of a cool one to try if you've never. No, you've what's never, that? What's that one? Well, it's, a, it's pretty much a way to, to kind of like you to kind of control your like autonomic ner like nervous system. Like when you have that panic feeling and then to kind of like suppress it and, and push through it. So what it's like three rounds of breathing where it's like 30 breaths in and on the 30th breath, you breathe in, um, exhale, and then hold it for, you hold your breath for as long as you can. And you kind of like have that moment of panic and you're, you know, and then you kind of suppress it. And then you, you know, it's just a cool, it's just a whole, you know, like you should look it up, you know, the Wim Hof breathing. And then and another component of it is cold water submersion. So it's like the breathing in the cold. And that's kind of two couple of things I've been practicing for the past few years. I, I noticed I noticed that Alex has been uh, posting stuff, you know, Strava stuff about cold water. Is that what you guys have been yeah, doing? We have a, a chest freezer that we fill with water and keep it at like 35 to 40 degrees and like sit in it each day. <laughs> Wait, now for, for my benefit, uh, I assume this is naked that you guys are in there? No, no, no. <laughs> we don't want to scare the neighbors, so. Well, it's funny. I used to be a member of the Aspen Club, and they had a, um, a steam room and a cold plunge. Oh, and yeah. I, really, I really loved going between the two. 
Yeah, that's the, sort of the next thing I want to get is a sauna eventually. Is, so I'll have the cold and then a sauna and then it'll be kind of like a, you know, like a retreat, a retreat here or something, you know, our own retreat. Well, it's, it's funny. We are blessed with our, sometimes our natural sauna, you know, not so much where you are or where I'm at, but, you know, uh, I always want to not tell people, oh no, it never really gets humid in Hawaii. Sometimes it does, but not that, not that, that much really. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to like the sweltering East coast. But I feel like, like since the first moment I came to Volcano, I knew that like, this is where I wanted to live. Like the first moment I was here, I was like, oh my God, this place is amazing. It's, you know, like 60 degrees, all, like, you know, low 60s all the time. And at night it gets chilly you know, into the 40s in the winter. And it's just, it's just kind of like, just, it's like an inspiring feeling that's in the air here all the time. Well, what brought, well, why did you come to Hawaii? What's the first time that you can remember coming here? Well, I, I moved, I moved here. Uh, my brother was living on Oahu. He's in the Navy. So I, I was living in Bend, Oregon and kind of came over to stay with him for a while. And then I ended up getting a job here at a therapeutic, um, like a wilderness therapy program and worked in Kau. So it's on the Southern, on the Southern part of the Island. And it was therapy through like farming and garden. It was like a rite of passage based program. Oh, then do you remember what it's called or what it was called? called or? Uh, it's called Pacific Quest. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like for, for at-risk uh, teenagers that kind of get sent away. Like they're, you know, they're either like suicidal, depressed, um, drug problems, or, or just any sort of psychological problems. Their parents uh, don't know how to handle it, so they send them to this program. And it was um, like an immersive, you know, like working there was really intense. It was like a week-on, week-off shift. So for a week at a time, like 24-7, I'd be out there, you know, just sort of, you know, like working and like farming and, you know, running therapy groups. And it was a cool, it's a cool program. I learned a lot there. And I actually got to go on a, a vision quest. So it's like they had, like, that was part of the program. It's like at the end, they'd build up to being able to go for three days and three nights without food. Just um, a five gallon, um, a five gallon kind of jug of water and a pen and paper. And um, because I worked there, I, we got to, the people that worked there got to do that too. So that, you know, talk about you know, running a hundred mile or something, doing that was probably the hardest like physical thing I've, I've done, physical and mental, really. You know, you're just with your thoughts for three days and three nights. You don't really move from kind of like a 10 by 10 area. And um, it was pretty intense. So I, I had no idea. I mean, that's, I mean, I've heard it, uh, you know, when I listened to some of the Navy SEAL uh, training stuff, because I know a few Navy SEALs and talk to them, it's, it sounds real similar to that, where it's uh, take away everything and uh, what you're left with is you. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like a whole, it was like a whole process, like a several months process of kind of like, you know, reflecting on certain, you know, on certain things. And um, like when we got back from it, we told the story and the story was like reflected back to us of kind of like what our own experience and part of it, like we developed like an intent of like the kind of the, what, the life you want to live or the person you want to be. And kind of, that's what you kind of is your inspiration when you're out there, you kind of fall back on like, Oh, you got to be your, you know, live up to your intent. kind of. So. Oh, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like something that people can individually do, but it, it helps to have a, a controlled environment. In order oh, to be definitely, to yeah. I think, that, I mean, that kind of is what makes the experience of it is kind of other people are going through it too, but, you're, you know, you're not around people, but you get to hear their story and, you know, kind of having it, you know, having it facilitated definitely makes it, you know, kind of helps you reflect it and process it in a, in a deeper way, I think. 
So did you did you do any of the uh, runs, uh, any of the hurt runs and stuff over on Oahu when you? Yeah. You know, um, I figured out, actually, that was the first time I came to Hawaii. It was when I was 21 when I was in college, and I was I tried to do the hurt 100 and dropped out at like mile 70. It was like <laughs> oh oh. <laughs> And then I didn't want to have anything to do with it for 10 years. And then I finished it like, I don't know, like 2015 or something. So I, I finished that. It's just like a whole different beast over there. Well, where, where were you going? You were going to college in Bend? Uh, I went to college at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, okay. Well, why, how did you transition from Virginia to Bend, Oregon? Like as soon as I graduated, I moved. Um, I drove across the country and went to Bend. I don't just something about, I don't, you know, no real reason just to go run, kind of run in the mountains. Oh, yeah. The sisters are real special out there. I, I've spent some time out there, too, uh, by the Rogue and stuff. Oh, the Rogue River. Yeah, it's un, unreal. So did you do any rafting and stuff when you were there? Um, yeah, I, I, never, I never did any rafting, no. Oh, yeah, that because I can still remember, you know, I mean, oh, gosh, I was back there. That was back in 19... 70 and stuff when I was there so yeah I had a lot before you were born <laughs> so now I was a baker so um, I didn't have any so I was pretty much broke I worked you know from like three in the morning to you know eight or nine in the morning and then had the rest of the day just to go run and I got into skiing a little bit but I was pretty much broke as making minimum wage living there. <laughs> so I have I, I, I used to work at the ARA bakery in Chicago in order to pay for college and stuff. So I worked in a, a, a bakery circumstance where I was the only Holly there, you know, and I got, I made some great friendships, you know, uh, during my time there, but yeah, it's, it's hard work. It is. I love it. I still, do you still like to bake? I, you know, I would love to bake, but I'm looking at my place and I have a microwave <laughs> and I have a, like a hot air kind of cooker and that's it. Oh, I lived in Northern Minnesota and I used to make bread. I used to make bagels on a wood stove. Oh, wow. But those are good. You need to, you need to revive that. Uh, yeah. I miss the bagels. That's for sure. Yeah. And of course I have to shout out to all my friends now who are posting the wonderful meals that they're creating as people oh, are cool quarantined. It's cool to see more people cooking, you know, you don't realize how many, I guess, how often people eat out, you know? It's like... Good to see dudes <laughs> cooking. You know? yeah. <laughs> ladies, ladies got it all over us, but it's good to see the dudes cooking online. I know. I, I love it. I love cooking and baking. It's just fun. It's just kind of relaxing just to chop up vegetables and you, know, you kind of know what, know what you're putting in your body. It's a good, it's a good thing. So nutrition, do you have a specific nutrition? Did you back then when you were a baker and, you know, uh, living a, uh, uh, a free and easy life, which is not to say you're still not free and easy, but what kind of nutrition were you doing back then? Um, back then it wasn't really, I guess, you know, in my early twenties, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I guess I couldn't afford, you know, it's expensive to eat, you know, somewhat healthy. It's, you know, it's kind of expensive to eat healthy. So then it was more, like I would just try to avoid sugar, you know, like that's kind of been always been my big things. Like I studied exercise science in college. So I've always been kind of like health conscious about what I eat, but you know, then it wasn't, you know, like now I'm, I have things pretty dialed in. I feel like, and I'm pretty strict with myself most of the time. So 
<laughs> but then when you're poor, you can't afford the luxury of eating or all this, you know, healthy, organic, natural foods and stuff. Uh, I remember one, yeah, one semester in college, I basically lived on a 50 pound bag of potatoes, which at the time, nobody knew that that was nutritional food for long distance races. Yeah. <laughs> so we're yeah, getting- now, like now pretty much I just try to avoid sugars and like, in like, you know, hydrogenated oils pretty much like the two, the two things, you know? So it sounds like you were uh, um, uh, bulletproof before there was bulletproof. Yeah, high fat. Like I've always, I kind of been a like high fat, low carb, like lower carb has kind of been you know, what works for me. Like I notice if I start to eat a lot of you know like breads and things like that, I just feel, I just feel kind of you know lethargic, and so I just kind of stick with what works. The higher fat has done me good. You know, I can go for like a four or five hour run without without eating any, you know much. So. It's funny. I got a little grief from uh, a friend of mine, Nina, about I had done a fast, uh, you know, like for a week because I wanted to clean out my system and did a long run or longish for me. And I had posted on Strava saying, you know, I'm tired. She thought, why are you doing this self to you? And it was like, I can't really explain it. (laughs) I know it's like, really like, nutrition has become like a religion with with some, you know, like it's either this or that or that. It's like, it's just crazy. You know, it's just like, just avoid sugar. And that, you know, that would solve most of the health problems if people just didn't eat so much simple sugars. Oh yeah. I lived one. uh, I of course fell in love with a girl uh, (laughs) when I was at college and went back home and spent the summer. I would run in the basement of our house, which was maybe 200 feet. I would run a mile every day in the basement. And <laughs> yeah, it's like nowadays I see the uh, people are posting their virtual online, you know, running around the yard and stuff. And I was like, wait, I did that 50 years ago. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I stopped. All I was doing was uh, rice and veggies, rice and veggies. And you know, it's simple. Yeah, it works. Yeah. I have to watch it on the veggies, though. How about you? Because sometimes uh, if I have too many veggies and not enough protein, uh, I kind of run out of gas. No, I've got it pretty much, you know, like I can eat a ton of veggies and, you know, I, I cook them in coconut oil or olive oil usually. So it kind of mix in the fat with it. Um, but mostly, you know, I'll eat meat maybe like once a week or once every other week. So. Do you do coffee? Do you ca- uh, do caffeine? Oh yeah, I love. I drink coffee every day. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> this is from the hundred percent Kona, I think. Yeah, yeah. the hundred percent Kona. There's just something about the, the smell of it, the taste of it. It's just so. It just seems so natural, and you know, just the ritual of drinking it every morning. Like I, I look forward. Like at night, I look forward to waking up in the morning to drink coffee the next day. That's. What <laughs> yeah, and we're we're blessed. We're in the probably the best coffee area in the world, world. I think. yeah the kona coffee kau coffee like it's it's can't get any better than that yeah. Kauai coffee i even do Kauai coffee because i've done have you ever done uh Kauai marathon no i've never been over there for that oh you should you should maybe try it i talked uh brie brown into it a few years ago yeah. and it's the hardest marathon of the all the island merit just the marathons is the elevation gain or yeah, mile 18 has a Coloco Hill from 18 to 21. Ooh. 
And wow. it's, it's the wrong time of the race to have an 18 to 21 raise. Uh, man, that sounds fun. The, the people are great, though. I talked to Amy about this last week, too. The people are great. They do, uh, uh, they have drummers, they have halals dancing. Uh, the aid stations are, are just great. And as far as scenery goes, ah, boy, Kauai, I think, has got the most scenic uh, marathon course that there is. Wow. Yeah, I'll have to do it whenever, whenever it's going to be happening again. Probably, maybe not this year, maybe next year. What, no, no plans to do Hurt again? No, um, no plans to do that ever again, hopefully. <laughs> so, how, I mean, how was, how was the time you – did you feel, um, you know, goal accomplished when you completed Yeah, it was, my only goal was just, to fin- was just to finish it and, you know, kind of keep moving. That was the only goal. So, I, I finished it. It was like, yes. I, you know, it was like the best feeling ever. <laughs> You've done Kau, haven't you? Kau Half Marathon? That marathon, yes. I, yeah, I love that. Yeah, me, me and Alex were just out there the other day running, uh, kind of biking around. We biked through from Volcano down into Wood Valley and through around there. And that kind of reminded us to go, oh, we need to go back out there and run some up there in those hills. So biking, yeah, I, I've noticed that you have been biking. Were you a biker back in the day? or? I mountain biked a little bit, but now, you know, like here, like the time is kind of with biking, it's like time has been like the biggest constraint. Now I have all day, so it's like so I'm I'm loving the riding. You know? <laughs> are you are you uh, uh, you're you're pretty much on a, a gravel kind of bike, mountain bike? Yeah, I'm on a gravel bike, yeah. So it's just fun, you know, around here with like the roads being in you know disrepair, and I just feel more sturdy on a, on the gravel bike too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I don't know. I think you noticed. I did the uh, we had the Captain Cook challenge. Did not go off this year because of circumstances and. I I used uh, the old Fuji bike that I got, which weighs like 85 pounds, <laughs> to do 28 miles, and I was riding in circles up by Mono Road, and oh. it was like, oh, good heavens, and flat pedals, you know, but it's it's at a triple, so at least I had gears. Yeah, I love the Captain Cook Challenge. I've done that a couple times. That's, that's so unique. It's such a cool event. Did you do it back in the day when you used to have to put your shoes in this in a bag and actually carry them with you? No, <laughs> that would be interesting. Swimming across the bay with shoes on. Yeah, they they used to do it so that you had to actually carry it. It wasn't that you had your shoes dropped off to, to do the trail part. Yeah. <laughs> what was the What was the first race that you can remember doing on the Big Island? On the Big Island, um. Maybe might have been the Macathon, the 10K Macathon. A deceptively really, hard race. Yeah, it is. It's such a cool, you know, like I love with the, the pancakes at the end. And it's, just a, it's just a fun time. You can jump in the water. It's just a, I'm bummed that it got canceled this year. Yeah, yeah. I did. And once again, I did my virtual uh, uh, Macathon up on uh, Manaw Road stuff. Trying to, trying to still keep still keep up with the races but what was the first law lo- you've done Hilo a whole bunch too the technically it's the Big Island International Marathon yeah but I think I've done that four times so in fact I think that's I think that's what oh yeah that's the shirt yeah there it is the Big Island Mar- <laughs> yeah that's a pretty hilly marathon that's a hilly marathon 
Well, it's funny. It's changed because uh, remember back in the day when it was they they bust us out to the school. Yep, I, that was the first time I first year I did it, and then it changed after that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's certainly harder now, but still, it it is pretty scenic too. Back when you're back by the um, botanical garden and stuff, it's gorgeous oh, back there. Love that area. And you guys, I see all the runs that you guys are doing where the posts are, you know, the photos are just amazing. Have you ever been into photography and stuff? I mean, yeah, I'm into photography a lot. I have, um, like I used to be into film photography a lot until my camera got stolen. And now it's just kind of, I have like a point and, you know, point and shoot that I take. It's waterproof. So. Somebody stole their camera? And I've had like parking at trailheads here like twice, I think three times my car has been broken into. And then, um, and then when I lived in Mountain View, my house got broken into and pretty much everything stolen. So oh. <laughs> fresh start. Yeah, exactly. But now I have, since I've now I um, own a house in Volcano here, so I have it fortified a little bit more with a gate and a security cameras and stuff. So, well, rumor has it that you have a guard dog too. A guard, yeah, a ferocious husky. <laughs> I have never seen pictures. I didn't realize it. Is it a husky? Yeah, she's a husky mix, and I think we think maybe border collie or something. But she's just she's adorable and really sweet. So she's not going to be a guard, a good guard dog. But. <laughs> now, do you, I used to have a I uh, had a key sound uh, a few years ago and stuff, which they're not. They're kind of they're like a small version of a husky and stuff. Do you ever shave shave her or? No, I think um, you know we kind of. You know, we kind of, we have to take a run in, you know, every day or else she's just off the wall with energy. So we take her like four to seven miles each day and or else she's crazy. But I've heard that shaving them is like bad since their skin is like really pink and light that it would it'd be bad to shave them because they could get burned easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to do it uh, with the key sound and stuff. I was, at the time I was dating a, uh, a uh, hairdresser, or not a hairdresser, a dog groomer. Oh my God. <laughs> Who, who was a, who was actually an ex-girlfriend of um, uh, Jack Nicholson. Oh, gee. <laughs> Long story. But uh, she, she did it first time. And uh, in fact, some of the photos I have shows Cam with a mohawk. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Now, hair. Now, there might be a hair challenge out there. I don't know if you've noticed Patrick Stover has grown his hair out. Oh man. Yeah. I'm always growing. Like I, I feel kind of like more like myself with, with like long hair. So I think I go through cycles where I'll grow it out really long and then cut it short and then grow it out long. And you know, like, I just feel like at school, you know, I'm a teacher. So it's kind of, I feel like a bum if my hair gets too long and you know, I can't show up to a meeting with a parent. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta you could, but yeah. yeah. to keep it somewhat professional, I guess. Well, you're a teacher. Wait, now what am I? What's what's this? I, you know, again. Yeah, what this is my eighth, my eighth year of teaching. So, what do you teach? Uh, special education. So right now I'm at uh, YKI Intermediate. So sixth sixth grade, special education. That's a big school too. It is. That's that's the one thing I miss with our bike ed program being going. I I miss. Being around, we we teach fourth and fifth graders and stuff. How's how's that? Are you doing um, online still teaching? Right now, yeah. Right now, it's kind of like online. You know, it's it's not really teaching. It's more just like providing some activities for them to do. And if, you know, and most of them choose not to do it. So, but 
that's just how it is for the rest of this school year at least yeah 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 i don't think it's i mean there's advantages to it i think it's i think it's great that the adults have learned how to do online stuff <laughs> yeah so i've been having lots of meetings you know a lot we have lots of meetings through through zoom and stuff like that so that's what we've been doing, but I still have lots of free time, which I enjoy. So. <laughs> well, I, have you, have you, uh, let's see, if I remember correctly, you and Alex did, um, and I suppose I should mention Alex Luck as your um, fiance. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm sure she'll take, she'll take more credit for walking the dog than, than you will, but. Uh, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> You guys went to, uh, I think this year they call it Across the Decades. It's the Across the Years race. Oh, yeah, yeah, Across the Years. How was that? It was cool. So, like, I, I'd kind of been interested in that format. Of just It's a one-mile loop and run however many miles you can in 24 hours. So, I was hoping to run you know, 140, 150 miles, and then, but that didn't happen. So, <laughs> Well, why not? What happened? I don't know. I, I was feeling amazing until like around mile 70 and then it's just kind of the wheels fell off and the tip and it was like it was freezing cold. That's not an excuse, but it was freezing cold. And that just like mentally, I was just kind of done was like after I made it to 100, 100 miles and was like, I'm done. But I'm definitely disappointed. You know, I'm, I want to do another kind of 24 hour run and kind of try to get try to get some more miles. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's, that's Jamil Curry's race, I think. Yeah, there's Avar, Avar, I can never say Avarapia or Avaripa. Yeah. So, <laughs> Avaripa, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love, yeah, they, he's like a great, that's a great kind of organization that puts on, puts on runs. Um, I also have done Javelina, which they put on, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you remember when I was talking about doing Javelina and you kind of clued me in, but gosh almighty, the entry fees have gone up so much. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but across the years, that was pretty cool. You know, like I I hope to do another one somewhere, but not maybe not there, but somewhere, somewhere, a twenty-four hour run, and just see how many miles I can rack up. Well, it was, it was. Uh, I had actually run into our good friend Sylvia uh, the the weekend that you guys were doing that, and I saw her on Mono Road, and we stopped and talked for quite a while, and I was expressing my uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, because you guys were there, and I wanted so bad. To, to go there, but I could, I was kind of going, you know, I can't quite do it. Can't quite, you know, I don't know if I can afford it. She looked me right in the eye and said, let's do it. Let's go to the airport. Let's <laughs> get on a flight. Let's go do it. And she's totally serious. <laughs> if I had said, if I had said yes, I would, she would have said, well, Mark and Tiffany, I'll, I'll see you. You know, we're going to go do this race. <laughs> oh, I ran into Mark too uh, on uh, on on the road and stuff uh, a couple days ago and stuff, and I asked him how he's doing and, and you know because their school is closed to uh, HPA, and uh, he said that they're doing okay and Tiffany gets to swim because he can use the pool up at HPA, so she's still getting in there and doing stuff, which is great to, great to hear actually. Yeah. Amazing little kid, amazing little kid, amazing family. 
So what was one of the races uh, maybe on the mainland? I, I hate to ask people about a bad experience at the race. We always have horrible experiences at races, you know, because of the stupidity. Can you pick out a couple of races that you really had a great time at and they kind of fulfilled, you know, we all have expectations. They fulfilled your expectations going into the race. Um, I mean, I guess when it, like really any, like I never have like, oh, I need to do this or else I'll be happy. You know, it's like, I kind of, I don't really care. Like races have always been like something I don't really, you know, like I'm not really that competitive, um, like competitive natured. So kind of races I've, all, I've always kind of like reluctantly done maybe, you know, <laughs> if that, if that makes sense. I've always just kind of been like, oh yeah, I'm in, I'm in, you know, I feel like I'm in decent shape. So I might, I might as well jump into this event and. But I, but I never really have like a desired outcome or if I get this, I'm happier. If I don't do this, I won't be happy. So it's always kind of been like, oh, let's see what happens. It's like kind of the mystery of it. That's what I, one thing I really love about running is just the mystery of it. And so that's like kind of with 100 milers, I've, I, never, I never feel like I had, I've had like a good one. Every time it's been like, oh man, I got my ass kicked. Like what happened? Like how can I do this better next time? And, but it's always been the same thing. The wheels always fall off and it's a debacle. So I want to, I want to kind of just keep trying it until I feel like I figured it out or something. I think that's the, the attraction for me and a lot of other people I know is that that part of the experience starting out with, you might have some expectations, but it's like, you know, it's going to be a journey and you know that you're going to run into things that hopefully to be honest, that you'll run into something you didn't expect during a race. That's a guaranteed to happen. (laughs) Sometimes they are things good things that you didn't expect you know for yeah, me it's, it's, it's just fulfilling to kind of hit kind of hit a tough point and then move past it and then afterwards be like oh yeah i did something you know i struggled at something i met you know and like it's just it's just kind of a fulfilling experience to have for me that's kind of what i get out of it the most is just fulfilling to to kind of do do something hard and challenging and well, what what are the some of the favorite areas on let's say let's start We'll just keep it to the mainland on the mainland that you've loved to been able to go out and run. Oh, I think the the northwest, like the the red, like Oregon, like Oregon, all the way down to like Northern California redwoods, like that whole area with Crater Lake and the Umpqua River. It's just like it's magical. There's hot springs, and you're running around Crater Lake, and then seeing the redwoods, and then the Pacific Ocean, and the Lost Coast. Like it's just like a kind of a dreamland. Yeah. What about that? Did you do much stuff on Pacific Crest Trail? No, I haven't really. Um, let's see, I've been on the part of the John Muir Trail mm. uh, in Yosemite. That's yeah, that whole that whole part of the country is just. I'd love to spend months there. You know. So, given a choice between uh, desert and mountain, ah, it's so hard. Like I feel like I love. I feel like a really strong connection to the desert. Like I love. Like in October, me and Alex went to the Grand Canyon to run that rim to rim to rim. And that, like, just, I love spending time in the desert. Even like, that's kind of like my house. Our house is like painted, like, you know, desert. It's like the colors are very desert-like. And, you know, so it's like, I, I love both. I can't say like, you know, mountain, desert, ocean. It's like, I love all of them equal. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, uh, when I was uh, in Aspen and stuff, we used to take kids out to, uh, well, I was lucky to take kids to a couple of places. Have a Supai Indian reservation if you've oh, never been man. there. You know. I have uh, giant pictures of them up on the wall, the, ha- the Havasu Falls. 
that's been one of the coolest, my favorite places I've ever been. So you've been there, yeah? Oh yeah, yeah. I love it. I've camped out there and actually got caught in the flash flood and had to take a helicopter ride out. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so, I went down there with high school kids, you know, uh, George, George Burson and I, he was a teacher at the school and stuff. We took, uh, as part of their senior trip, we took him down there for a week. Wow. Oh, that would be, it's just magical. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's hard to explain. It's something that needs to be protected, obviously. And I know it's harder and harder to get permits to go there and stuff, but it is uh, one of the wonders of the world, I think. It, it really is just the way that turquoise water just kind of juts out of the, you know, desert landscape. It's like, it's, it's like a dream. It's a dream. Yeah. And then uh, I, I was also lucky. Uh, a friend of mine, his dad was the head of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Uh, and we used to go out to Moab and this was the early seventies, late sixties, no, uh, early seventies when we were going out there, when there were no bikers out there, there was nobody, there was Jeepers and us. And that desert is so special too. I can still remember running out there doing a, I did a 75 mile, I did a 75 and a 100 mile run on the White Rim Trail. And now Candace Burt, she's, Candace is doing, you know, the 200 milers there. Yeah, I've never been to that part of Utah. I'd love to. I'd love to go. I think this summer we're planning on having a big road trip across the country. Oh, highly recommended. If you can make it to Moab, it's kind of, you know, it's got a lot of gearheads now uh, and stuff. But it's still uh, there's places out there like you were talking about being very calm and very feeling, you know, that you're in an element that you're enjoying in the water. Same thing out there. Those rocks are special. And we went to a place, let's see, in October called Buckskin Gulch. Have you ever, have you ever heard of that? No. I don't know if it's in Arizona or Utah, it's on the border, but it's like these slot canyons. And, they're, and it's just, it was kind of one of those places. It's pretty magical, too. Well, that'll be great if you guys can. I, yeah, I did, I did remember that you guys, you guys had an opportunity to, to kind of travel around and stuff. Yeah. Is, is there any other place on the mainland that, yeah, is there... I know you're not a racer person and stuff, but is there anything you would you want to do? I don't know if you've done Western States. You would you want to do Western States? No, I don't think Western States. Uh, maybe Leadville. I'd, I'd like to do Leadville. I love that course and just the, you know, the town of Leadville is really cool and unique. So that's kind of the one that I'd love to do. Yeah, Leadville, that used to be our summer trips because when I was living in Aspen, Independence Pass was closed all winter, obviously. But then as soon as it would open up, we'd go over to Leadville and stuff. And uh, yeah, Leadville, Leadville back then was a, an amazing little place, and I'm sure it still is. I'd love to go back and visit and stuff. I don't think – I could probably do the – I think I could do the 100. I could – I don't know if I'd finish it under, you know, the cutoff or anything, but it's not that technical. Yeah, just to get used to getting acclimated to the altitude. But we have a good place to practice here. I, you know, I've been on our road. It's, you know, just under uh, 3,000 feet is where I started out. On the other side, 7,000 feet. So it's, it's a cool, and then you got an R1. It's at nine to 10,000 feet. So it's. Speaking of R1, you know, we were supposed to have a race, uh, 50K, 50 miler there, which because of circumstances, uh, is, is it delayed or is it next year we're going to do it? We're, trying, we're still kind of trying to figure it out. Um, so it was just getting the permits where it was a crazy process. 
and they changed the dates on us a couple of times, but just getting the permits was like, you know, that's kind of what I, I'm, we've known all along is just like, that's why there's not a lot of events here on the, like trail events on the island. Cause it's so damn impossible to get a permit on those. And, um, but Alex got the permits. And um, so we were kind of excited to have the 50 mile 50 K. Um, and just one of the cool things was that so many people that were, would have been in their first ultra signed up, which is really cool to see. And that was kind of one of my, one of my favorite parts about it was there's so many people that was, would have been their first ultra. Yeah, trying to do it. I know for a few people, it was going to be their first uh, 50 miler. So we're, we're, it's kind of going to be postponed till, you know, not maybe not in the fall. It seems like there's going to be already a ton of events in the fall or whenever things open up. So maybe we might just keep it till the next spring. No, we, we don't really know. We don't really know yet, but it's, yeah. we definitely want to make it happen. And, and as you know, uh, here it's a matter of the permitting and stuff. It's not like there's a month where the weather would be too bad. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I've noticed there's a lot more people on R1 now. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to run. It's spectacular. You know, it's a lot kind of, it's kind of like being up on uh, Haleakala and the craters on there, you know, on parts of it. It's yeah, wide open views of the red cinder cones. I mean, it's a stunning landscape. Did you ever do Run to the Sun? I never did that when it was a race, um, but I've run, I've done the Sea to Summit Haleakala before. So. Well, that's a, that's a little bit farther, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, I think the race might start in um, Kahului, but I started in like Paia. So. Yeah, uh, Sean Blanton, uh, the Run Bum, he was trying to set it up last year to do it. Uh, and then it did, didn't happen. And then Hurt was going to try and do it. They got, they were getting the permits, but then couldn't get the final permits. So they had to call it off and then they were going to try again. Yeah. Then, I mean, the national park, it's near, you know, it's damn near impossible for them to, for them to confirm an event, you know. And are we still on for uh, the, another Hurt race, which is actually from on here on the big Island, uh, the Hilo to Waimea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still we're still kind of kind of wait and see with that, but we feel like I mean now it's like a self-supported run anyway, so that could be easily staggered, you know. So that's that's kind of a, would be just a simple simple run to do. Well, what's what what's what are you guys calling it? Uh, the under the moonlight or the moonlight under run? The moon. Yeah, because it's going to start you know start at night. I think that'd be a cool experience to start that at night. You know, be little traffic, just being on the saddle at night would be a cool cool experience full moon and, um, and just the history of it too. It's where like, that was like an event Kavika put on, used to put on. I mean, you know, like I came across some old stories like, you know, online somewhere like that he used to put on, he was the, the race director and would drive by like smoking a cigarette and like hand out donuts to people and stuff. So it's just a cool, you know, it would be cool to kind of keep that event going. So to tell, you know, tell people we're talking about Kavika Spalding. And, and uh, tell, tell a little of the, a bit of Kavika's story if you can. Well, I, I just know him from like from um, the Macathon. It's kind of where I first came across him, and he's just like he's got a big beard. He runs barefoot a lot, and he, you know, he's kind of done a run where every year he goes up. He goes up Mauna Loa, down up Mauna Kea, down the backside up Hualalai, and he does it over the course of like several days. But he doesn't stop, and he says you know, one year he got arrested at Pohakaloa in the military. They, like, they arrested him with, like, whiskey. I think he might have had, like, a joint on him or something. So it's, like, he just does these crazy trips with, you know, like, whiskey and whiskey and weed, you know. So it's <laughs> it's pretty pretty cool guy. 
he's he's run western states because because a good friend of mine uh mike rouse told me a story of where mike was doing western states too and he got up to the the plateau aid station one of the first the mesa aid station there and he saw this guy sitting on a log total true story about kavika drinking in jack daniels (laughs) and he went he offered some to mike and Mike said, oh, nope, nope, I'll, I'll pass on that. So then Mike took off running. And next thing he knows, Kavika is catching up to him. And as he's running past, he notices that Kavika is rolling a joint <laughs> as, as he's running past. <laughs> like, you can't make that stuff up. And he's... <laughs> true, true story, you know. And he's yeah, Kavika is still... <laughs> well, that's one of the special things about Macathon, too, that we missed this year because we had to cancel it and stuff. So, yeah, so it's just kind of cool to continue the tradition of putting on that run. It's, it's something he put on in the early 90s, and it'd be cool to kind of revive it, you know? And then it's going to reverse, right? So one year it's, uh, it's from Hilo to Waimea, next year it's from Waimea to Hilo. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> And then there, I, there's, if I remember correctly, there's also uh, a run that has some wine involved, I think. Oh, yeah. So there's the, the Volcano Winery. And um, so Alex got a cool course put together with um, Alex Wood, who's a runner here that uh, works at the winery. And uh, they came up with kind of a cool, a cool one-mile loop out there um, on the winery property, which is like adjacent to the National Park. And it would just, it would just be a cool event, you know, like winery and run-in. And, you know, it's kind of like – the one mile loop and you pick your, you know, there's like a six hour, a 5k, you know, it's kind of, just kind of be unique, you know, just try to do something unique. Wait, is it, can I, can I uh, bring my usual drink of choice here? Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Bring some to share. (laughs) Oh, of course. Of course. And uh, so we have, we still have some uh, races still scheduled. I know that, um, Keely and Adam just canceled out the Ohia half marathon. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. The Kona marathon, the Kona marathon at Waikoloa, uh, Brent's website still doesn't show that it's canceled. And that's mid-June? Mid-June, yeah, they're probably still wait wait and see. But it's probably not, you know, I guess it doesn't seem like it's a good idea with everything in the news and stuff, so... And then uh, uh, Kauai canceled. Uh, Kauai Marathon's always on uh, Labor Day weekend and stuff. Oh, no, Kauai hasn't canceled. Uh, Maui Marathon, the, the old Maui Marathon that they moved to October, that one, they've canceled it and just going to try and do it next year and stuff. Yeah, it's just a wait and see for everything, really, you know, for, for life, really. You know, everyone, most people's jobs. You know, I, I feel fortunate that I'm still getting paid. And, you know, with such a majority of the country out of work and on unemployment and things in limbo, it's like, I feel pretty fortunate. Yeah. We said, what's gas uh, in your neck of the woods? How much is gas? Whew, like four something. You know? Why, <laughs> man, three ninety nine still. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happened to the oil crash? You know? <laughs> Costco, uh, $2.59. Oh, wow. Whew. And it now makes the drive to Costco to get gas. It, it makes sense. Exactly. 
yeah, luckily I haven't had to drive that much. You know, I don't have to, you know, make the commute into Hilo every day. So it's been nice. And I know Alex, that she, she kind of prides herself on that. We're, you know, not using a vehicle. Yeah, she doesn't have a, she doesn't have a car. So <laughs> like bike and by, by bike and by foot. And you guys, I know, you know, you're engaged and all that good stuff. And I asked her during uh, uh, the broadcast with her, so when's the wedding? And you guys are going to put it off till like next year and when things get... No, the wedding was going to be in June. On June 20th, we're going to um, have the wedding in the Gila, the Gila Wilderness in New Mexico. And um, now I think we're just going to have a, something smaller. You know, like we we kind of came to the decision that getting our friends and family like gathered and you know, it's probably not a good idea with, you know, the, with everything going on and for the health and sake of them. So we're, we just kind of decided on maybe having something small. And so we're still going to get married in, uh, in June, but just something smaller. You know? Is your, your brother's still on the mainland, yeah? Yeah, my brother's uh, in Virginia Beach. So he's back. Family, uh, a mom and dad still around? I don't even yeah. know. Yeah, my parents, uh, my parents live in Virginia Beach still, the same house that I grew up in. So. I, I keep forgetting you, you've done so much as a, as certainly as an athlete and runner and stuff that <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Somebody asked me, I think Jono, you know, from Lava People, he says, well, how low, old is Billy? And I said, Billy's got to at least be in his late 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. No, I just turned 36. So. <laughs> New age group. Uh, that's right. So, yeah, you know, it feels good. I love to just be – you know, be doing, like, I love traveling, and I love just doing things, so it's, yeah, I guess, crammed a lot in, and I feel fortunate, so. How did you and Alex meet? You know, I don't even know. I mean, the first time I saw you guys together, I don't know if you remember, was on Manah Road. You guys yeah. had, had just finished, and I think somehow I got the impression that Alex had a 13-year-old kid. <laughs> <laughs> and I... That doesn't... But, <laughs> but we... We met from, um, there was, we were doing a Sea to Summit Mauna Kea run with like, with Bree and um, let's see, Jacob and Patrick Stover. And I guess Bree and Alex knew each other and Alex was coming over for that. And that's, that's how we met. Oh, wow. I didn't, I did not realize that. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can blame Bree once again, or we can credit Bree, I should say. <laughs> yeah, credit, definitely credit. Because same same thing with uh, Sarah, because I interviewed Sarah, Sarah and Patrick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she introduced them. So. Introduced them, and then they got to know each other kind of on Instagram, which I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so she, yeah, Alex came over for that, and, you know, and the, I guess the rest is history, you know. <laughs> yeah, she came over for that and never left, right? Yeah, pretty pretty much. <laughs> but that's fun that's a fun one to do you know there's so many cool adventures to do just here on the island you know that there's just so many kind of iconic places to run and unique and there's desert rainforest mountain there's just so much cool stuff to do here yeah yeah i still want to see if somehow we can get together and uh last time i talked to sylvia was about her plan uh she called it uh s-h-i-t <laughs> Sylvia's Hawaii Island Traverse. Oh, wow. So how does that, which way, where does it start and end? She wanted to start down at Waipio Valley and run to Mauna Kea. 
Oh, someone, people just biked that recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I, when I talk to Mark, you can actually, on Mono Road, if you go, you know, you can run from Waipio Valley up to Waimea, Waimea Road up to R9, and then R9 connects with R1. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to do it. There's some, yeah. Like, and they cut through, the people that biked it went up from Waipio Valley, cut through Mud Lane, um, and then went up to Mono Road, and then up to the access, Monica Access Road up to the summit. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm going to find out. Have you noticed in, a, in your adventures out on the road now, I noticed even today, I saw somebody from Kona <laughs> walking their dogs out on Manah Road, which was oh. like, wait a minute. Uh, have you noticed in your, uh, in your neighborhood and stuff that there, I mean, there's oh. obviously probably more people. There's people I've never even seen before that even knew that this many people lived around here. Everyone's out. It's a good thing, I guess, that people... Don't have to go to work, so they're out walking around with the kids, with their dogs. And yeah, it's like I had no, had no, had no idea that this many people lived in the neighborhood. <laughs> and then Amy did. She did. Uh, she qualified for Amy Young qualified for Boston, and obviously Boston is not canceled but delayed. And so she went ahead and, and on uh, Monday ago she did. Uh, she did uh, uh, a virtual Boston. Oh, jeez. Wow. In her neighborhood. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, oh, I'm getting messages from this, uh, somebody called Alex Lucht <laughs> on Messenger. If you want, Alex, if you're there, just stick your, stick your head in. Sorry, I was just sending you the GPS file for that route you were talking about so you okay. can see all the elevation and stuff since someone's already mapped it all out. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Excellent. But I'll let you guys talk. I was just in the background and heard you mention it. So I thought I'd send it to you. <laughs> yeah, def definitely. Uh, you know, Billy, Alex, and I, I think we'll get together and stuff. D uh, um, Billy, do you have a coach or do you coach people? Um, no. Um, I've never coached. Um, I, I guess, you know, I was a personal trainer in, in um, college. So it kind of like it's, it's in my background a little bit, but it's something that I've like I've always like thought of running as just something like personal, and um, so so not really, you know. But I, I've never had a coach or anything like that. I'm too stubborn to <laughs> listen to advice. So I don't know. I'll listen to Alex's advice though. You know, we kind of go, we kind of talk about ideas a lot, which is really cool about like nutrition and you know different runs. So it's kind of cool to bounce ideas off of each other like that. But as far as anything like formal or anything like that, no. That for your nutrition on a run, uh, what is what would be your normal nutrition out on a run? Um, nothing. So, <laughs> so if anything okay. under four, and anything, I guess I've always had this kind of rule: like if it's under four hours, then I won't take any water or food. But if it's over four hours, I'll take, you know, I'll take a water a water bottle or wear a vest or something. But PB and J? No, usually it's like uh, maybe banana chips and almonds or um something like that you know something kind of more 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 fat than carbohydrate you know that's probably why i always i'm so stubborn that i always crash around about 70 and 100s and it's probably because my refusal to 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 kind of do anything you know anything like take any gels or anything like that no i mean that that's you you're you're ahead of the curve i think in a lot of the training and stuff that uh, people are starting to realize that they need to do now 
Yeah, when I was in college, I read uh, the Arthur Lydiard, which he was kind of a big, one of the first proponents of um, like running slow to get fast pretty much, like just a higher volume at a, at a slower pace. And that's always kind of kept me injured, like kept me injury free is like ne never running uh, hard. Like, you know, my, just kind of going out and doing easy runs or easy bike rides. And I never kind of get my heart rate up past a certain point, really. Yeah, and LS, yeah, I mean, back in the day, it was called LSD, long, slow LSD, distance. Yeah. Exactly, that's what it is, LSD. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd she both, say? Both forms of LSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both are part of my training plan. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about being out in uh, Canyonlands and taking peyote and running. Oh, man. <laughs> And we used to do both, both kinds. There was, back in the day, there was dried peyote, which you'd always throw up because it's got strychnine in it, you know, in the, in the middle and stuff. And we did fresh peyote and stuff, too. It was a, we'll talk about it someday. Yeah, I think the world would be a better place if more people um, went on at least one trip of some sort in their life, you know? <laughs> yeah, and some of, our, some of our friends, I think, now, like right now, need to go on a trip. I know, yeah, people that are in their head all the time and, you know, kind of neurotic and obsessed about things, like, just go on a trip and you're not in control, you're not going to be in control for the most part, so it's, it'll just be a good experience, you know? And, I mean, th I think that's one thing that's attractive about ultra running and stuff is, is that there are times you realize you're not in control. Exactly, you know? <laughs> and it's kind of like Plato's, uh, like, the cave allegory, too, you know, like, we see our base our truths on what we see and what we hear, but that, that could all just be shadows and an illusion. <laughs> Neo. <laughs> the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> so injuries. Now, you mentioned that you've been pretty injury-free. Have you ever gotten any injuries that you can remember that were significant? When I first started running, you know, when I was um, 18, I had a stress fracture in my ankle just from doing – you know, just because I didn't know anything about it, I thought every run you were supposed to go out and run as hard as you could. And if I felt good at the end of a run, I would keep going until I was like healed over. And I had a stress fracture in my ankle. And then since then, I've, I've never had an injury. You know, yeah. so, um, yeah, just the, the kind of the, the slow runs is like key, I feel like, is just kind of never, you know, I never get my heart rate above like 180 minus age. And that's something that a guy named Phil Maffetone kind of came up with that. He was a big proponent of the, of this the kind of lower intensity higher volume and what's what's the the supplement that he puts out uh, lsd no i don't know <laughs> i think he's I don't, got I, don't know. I don't think he puts out a supplement that i know of Mathetum. um oh i might be confusing him with somebody else and stuff probably yeah so he this he's like a big proponent of um you know he's done a you know research since the since the early 80s you know, so I'm kind of like a geek about like the reason, like I love reading research articles about, you know, exercise, nutrition, altitude effects. So like I came across him, you know, years ago and, and it's like kind of the one, it's, it just made a lot of sense. It really resonated with, with kind of what I, with my philosophy. So. Anyway. Well, you, I bet you, you and Alec or, um, 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 John Kelly would, would probably get along really good if you don't know John. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, um, yeah, John. Uh, John finished Barkley in uh, a couple of years ago. He was one of the few oh, people who finished wow. Barkley, and he's a wow. he was a triathlete and stuff. But John is down 
as best as I can understand. He he anal he puts he has charts and stuff that he really tries to analyze nutrition and stuff before before a race. Oh. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense just to look this low intensity and uh, kind of lower carb. It kind they kind of go hand in hand, and it's like you train your body to kind of not to need less and to be more efficient. I feel like so. And uh, so, what kind of uh, equipment besides? You know, people that know you know, okay, you got a pair of shorts on, that's it. <laughs> and a pair of socks. Uh, you, you got a particular shoe you've been running in lately? Um, usually I just run whatever is the, you know, whatever the cheapest thing I can find is. I've been going with the Brooks uh, Caldera just because it's kind of good for um, road and trail. And it's, you know, I got it for like 50 or 60 bucks. And um, I have a pair of those and I have a pair of Luna sandals that I like to kind of go for easy runs in. And besides that, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I keep, I keep looking at my times whether I'm running in shoes or running in the Lunas and like, I'm, I'm not that much slower in the Lunas. Yeah. I've run a 5k in the Lunas before. It's the same, you know, same as wearing shoes. So I did Kauai Marathon and the 100% Kona did a marathon uh, last year. I did both those in the Lunas. Slow, but. Well, it's fun. It's fun running them. It's just a, a different feel. Yeah. So, I mean, that uh, you would be just like uh, Kendra, you know, Kendra Ignacio, because she goes to Ross to find her shoes, basically. Yeah, that works, you know, like that's. <laughs> what kind of a vest do you have? You have a Solomon vest, don't you? Or like uh, I think I have direction? a, um, not an ultimate direction, but a, a Nathan vest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nathan, yeah. And so, yeah, they, I, you know, I, I like it for longer runs, you know, like we're going to go, I think we're going to go to uh, YPO to Waimanu tomorrow, so I'll probably wear it for that. Oh, okay. Because so I've, I've, I've done it before with just one of those straws. And my parents sent me one of those um, like filter straws. So if you run and like, got that in the rivers, drink of water, but it's <laughs> life straw, I think. Yeah. A life straw. <laughs> so I think I'll carry some more water this time. It can get pretty, pretty humid out there. But no food, huh? Um, I'll take maybe, um, maybe a corn tortilla. Like we, we've gotten into making um, tortillas lately. So maybe I'll take a, a corn tortilla with some peanut butter or something. Well, that, that, oh, that's that's this is a tip. This is a tip from Sean Blanton. Uh, you know the run bum. He uh, he did the he did a uh, the the Florida trail. He did the entire there's a uh, trail that goes through this entire state of Florida. And uh, since we are in our our um, crisis and stuff here, it kind of is relevant because he did not have any toilet paper at a certain point on the trail, but he did have he did have a tortilla. Oh, man, no. <laughs> yeah, multi-use. So yeah. <laughs> Natural. Do you have any horror stories? Uh, you know, not necessarily uh, horror for you, but out on the trail, like running into a bear or running into a snake or anything? I'm trying to think. Um, you know, I've, I've been pretty lucky to never really have anything, you know, too unfortunate or crazy happen. Um, Besides just like bonking and having to like suffer like, you know, death march for three hours and things like that. That's kind of common, but 
Um, other than that, I've never really, you know, nothing too crazy has happened. You know. No, no, as they call it in the ultra world, no neckties out on the trail there. You know, the, the, the vomit time. No, my, you know, I've been pretty lucky with that. I've never had any like, stomach. I've never puked or anything like that. But I guess maybe in Mexico, we're going on a hike and coming across um, a bunch of people with machine guns and a big <laughs> marijuana plantation. You know, that's kind of something that doesn't happen every day. So, Well, that'll be interview, uh, uh, Billy Barnett interview part two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that whole, whole part of your life and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> No, you know, it's funny, uh, Alex, or not Alex, um, um, uh, Adam, uh, you know, Keely and Adam, and I tried to talk them into doing the Born to Run, you know, your buddy and my buddy, uh, Louis Escobar's little adventure in California at the Chamberlain Ranch, and Adam was not keen on it because there's snakes. Oh, my, you never don't see, they're not, you know, there's so many people there that the snakes are going to be long gone, you know. That's a fun time. I went there uh, several years ago to do that. It's pretty fun. That's right. Yeah, that's a great place. He's changing the course, though, apparently. It's still going to be on the Chamberlain Ranch. He had to change the date. It was supposed to be uh, next month in May. And he changed it to October, uh, which is right around Ironman time. Um, so, you know, I'm the RD for the path, for path runs and stuff. So I don't know if I'll be able to go in October, but, you know, it's it's really nice out there and it's really old style yeah <laughs> it's like lewis shoots off a gun and it's just yeah, it's a it's a good you know unique event <laughs> well that and uh, i i've told this before about being out at uh when uh sylvia and i went and did rocky raccoon in texas uh being out in the dark by myself you know trudging along on the trail running along and from the from the darkness i hear <laughs> somebody is just throwing up yeah wild animals look out yeah <laughs> yeah there's a lot of cool there's so many cool events out there you know it's hard to choose or you know it's hard like i want to do everything i want to go visit everywhere yeah you know? <laughs> well that's that's where we all need to win a van on the mainland and just go van camping to take one year off, go van camping to all the different races on the mainland. That's yeah, I know. Huh. Now, I've been obsessed the past, you know, several years with the, the Balkans, the, you know, the kind of Eastern European region of the world. And um, I really want to go over there to like Albania, Kosovo, Serbia, Bosnia. And it's just, I've been you know, just obsessed with it. So I've been watching every, you know, reading every book, watching every movie that has to do with it. And, that's kind of been one of my big kind of dreams just to go over there. And there's a trail called peak of the Balkans that goes through a lot of the countries and you like you can stay in like, you know, different little villages along the way. And it's like, it's just kind of on, you know, it just seems like unspoiled mountains, you know, mountains and rivers and just beautiful fresh food and wine and the rakia, the plum brandy they drink over there. So it's just, Oh wow. So hopefully I can go over, get over there somewhat soon. Maybe a honeymoon. <laughs> uh, oh, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in um, Nepal, in uh, India and in Nepal in 1973. Oh, wow. And it was, uh, and, you know, I hiked up to um, base camp on Everest and stuff there. 
and you know did a lot of trekking and 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 running there and that's i mean that's what i liked about it it's just that you go to the, the, these places that you can only get there by foot and the people are just universally universally show aloha just like we have here on the big island and stuff wow and, so what did you think of um, india uh i was in uh i had actually gone started in um um uh, in europe started in italy went to visit the relatives and uh i hooked up with a guy who was the an associate editor for newsweek and we ended up going to places like beirut um uh, tehran um wow in the 70s wow that be up, up northern india and pakistan and just going oh, to the a dream to Pakistan. The Khyber Pass and all these places that, you know, I was 26 years old. Uh, and it was just, uh, it was great. But I, the thing I remember about it uh, are the people, you know. And no matter which country you were in, the people were always just really, really special. And Lewis now is doing, he's got this. Uh, yeah, yeah, in Bhutan, you know, where he's putting on a, a 250 miler or something like that. Wow, that'd be amazing to go over there. Because that's and, got, I'm pretty closed off to the world. Do you have to have like um, someone from the country, like a government official with you or something, right? Like, yeah, you can't he, just go visit there on your own free, on your own time. He, I don't think. He, uh, um, he started another podcast. He dropped one podcast that he used to do, but he's just started a new podcast of, uh, about the Bhutan and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm going to try and uh, eventually catch up on that. Yeah, when I went to, when I went to India to, in order to get into Nepal, uh, you had to get a visa in India, in New Delhi. And I paid for it with uh, um, Eisenhower dollars, coins, wow. <laughs> which I had brought. And I had to convince them that, that it was really money. <laughs> no, this is actually better than dollar bills. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. <laughs> Did you drink any um, yak milk? That's something I've always wanted to try. Yak milk and all kinds of all kinds of the fermented uh, uh, alcoholic drinks and uh, that they had there, and uh, we even uh, <laughs> I was traveling with a Swiss girl named Heidi at the time, and we actually smuggled a girl across the border into Nepal. Uh, because there were back ways that you could get in by just taking a hand cart, uh, a pull, pull cart and stuff. And yeah. Oh yeah. Back in the day it was, it was, there weren't permits so much as what they call uh, back there is bakshish. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. Same on the big Island too. You guys ran into it with uh, trying to get the permits and stuff for the uh, 50 mile or 50 K. Right. Exactly. There's so much, that's kind of one thing about here that it, it's like there's so much land. There's so many beautiful places that have like gates and, you know, no, you can't go here. You can't go there. Bishop Estates. Come you know, it's like we got yelled at recently by, um, you know, we were out just on Mauna Loa and there was like some ranchers that got pretty angry. You, know? you can't be back here. And it was, and come to find out it's national park land. You know, and they were just kind of being crazy. You know? uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've noticed an uptick in, um, uh, um, people being a little bit on edge. Yeah, that's true. People stress. People are stressed, but but still, I, I'm kind of from the thought that 
open space. It should be enjoyed, you know, public lands. You know, it's like the state leases the, the land out to the ranchers and they feel like they own the land. You know, it's like anyone should be able to just go, you know, we're not going for a run is not doing any harm or doing anything. It's just kind of enjoying the beautiful space. It's not, you know, so to get kind of, yell, you know, it's happened, it's happened a lot over the years. It's getting, you know, chased off of areas. It's like, yeah, no, but it's, that's where the stubbornness comes in. I refuse to, you know, I'm going to go run somewhere beautiful a hundred percent, you know, all the time. Cause I'm not going to, not going to, Oh, there's a gate there. I can't go back there. You know, it's like, come on. Just because someone has cows back there, like they're the one, the cows are doing a lot of damage. You know, they're the ones eating all the vegetation and stuff. So. <laughs> no, I, no, I mean, I, I definitely see that. I mean, uh, we have, we're blessed here to have um, beach access yeah. you know, through any property, essentially, you know, where you can get to beach. I, you know, same thing. I think, you know, Fortunately, Mono Road is it's a county road, so you know they're not really going to stop you there. And there's places up there where, really, there's no, there's been people, nobody up there for years. I know, it's cool. And there's, um, you know, they say like Hualalai, it's Bishop Estates. Can't, you're not supposed to go up to the summit of Hualalai, and it's, and then you do kind of do more research into it, and you see that like they have the biggest endowment you know, command, like the Bishop Estates Commandment Schools, like billions of dollars endowment. It's like, what? That just seems like corruption to me. So, <laughs> Well, and because you're, you know, you see it on the education level too, on where, you know, I mean, Waikia hopefully has good, good funding and, and resources and stuff. But a lot of times I see friends of mine, like teachers and stuff, they're out of their own pocket. They're buying supplies for the kids. I know. Yeah. I mean, look okay. at all the look at all the stuff that Bree does for her kids, and 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 the fact that um, you know our friend Peter, who passed away like last year, he was actually and used to Peter used to be a judge and a, a lawyer and stuff, and he used to fund he used to give Bree money so that she could buy supplies for her kids for her classroom kids. Yeah, yeah, Hawaii's not known for its public education. I think it's right up there with Mississippi. <laughs> well, hopefully, I I think as as more and more kids stay at home with the parents, <laughs> yeah. I think they're beginning to appreciate you teachers more and more. <laughs> I know. I feel. I feel. It's like it's the. I love. You know. I love being at school, but um. You know, so it's kind of tough. You know, it's just, it's just a weird thing to, to be to be experiencing, you know, like not going into school and not having all this time off. It's like, man, I'm, you know, I enjoy the time off, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's going to be, I'm looking forward to kind of getting back. You know? Yeah, I miss, I mean, to be honest, I miss the kids like Diane Lux's kids and stuff um, uh, who just can run up to you and give you a hug. And you know, I don't know what's, I don't know what the new reality, what do you think the new uh, reality is going to kind of look like? Do you think it'll return to more or less uh, the way we were before, or is it going to be more elbows instead of uh, high fives? I don't, I don't even, you know, I can't even speculate. It's so crazy that I don't you know. It's like things change or changing, you know, every day. So who knows what it's going to be like, you know, there's we're already talking about what school next year could be like, you know, the possibility of it um, having to close school again or, you know, when it's going to reopen and like, no one knows really, you know, it's all up in the air really. 
Yeah, I think we're, I mean, I, I still feel we're real fortunate here being in the middle of the Pacific and stuff. Do you ever, uh, I don't ever get it because we live on the big island. Do you ever get island fever where you feel that you have to get off the rock? Never. I, I love, I mean, I hardly ever want to leave volcano really. Like <laughs> I can't feel like I can go from the rainforest to be in the desert, to be in the, you know, the coastal areas, like in Halape, places like that. So it's like, I never, like, I love volcano. I never want to leave pretty much. It's just my kind of place of energy. And it, yeah, it's, we're so lucky to live here. We have every, you know, so many different climate zones. Like if it's raining too much, I'm sick of the rain. I could just drive over, you know, drive down South or something. Yeah. You know? So it's, we have the best of everything here. You know? have, have you ever thought that since you're now biking a little bit more, have you ever thought about doing it? I don't know. Have you ever done a triathlon? Um, only the Captain Cook Challenge is the only one I've ever done. But um, besides that, I don't know, you know, like, I think maybe try, like, I don't know, did you ever, when was the first year you did a triathlon? Uh, 2000, no, 1997? See, it seems like maybe the culture of it was cool, like, when it first started, but then it just seems like it's kind of morphed into this, just like, I don't know, it's just like, so ego-driven, or ego, you know, man, ego maniacs, you know, I, I, so that kind of like, turn, like turns me off of tri a triathlons altogether. But that, yeah. I, like, I like those Team Mango events where they're just kind of like you show up and it's like, you know, it reminds me of like more like the feel of like a trail run or something, you know, where it's just, it's just kind of out there having fun. It's not this like people having like $50,000 bikes and, you know, geeking out, you know, it's just crazy. Like, so the, so the sport of triathlon is just kind of seems weird to me. Like, how did it turn into this like cool, rugged thing, the kind of what it is now, you know? Yeah, it, I mean, it's more business driven now and more, um, yeah, because I mean, back in 1997 and 2005, I did, a, there was a triathlon in Aspen, you know, which was fun. Uh, I, in fact, I was teasing a, a friend of ours, uh, Florian, about he was out on his bike in um, on Oahu, you know, he lives there, and he was doing a selfie stick right while he was riding the bike doing videos and stuff and i just posted well that's a penalty yeah. <laughs> you, you, you shouldn't be doing that and he he kind of went on a little bit about how well you know the roads are this and this and i just said you you're talking like a triathlon a triathlete yeah, no. a, oh i'm so great yay look what i just the, did i just went for a bike ride with with the I capitalized. I don't know. I think he noticed that where it's like, there is no I in triathlon. Oh, wait, there is. <laughs> I know. So that's kind of what's got me. I know if there's like a triathlon, it's you know, like they're expensive too, like several thousand dollars to do. It's like, there's no way in hell I'm going to pay for, for that. So I'll do maybe some of the, the you know, the, I like the, the P-Man events and the Team Mango ones. Those are so cool. You know, such, so cool for that for the island like so those kind of events i'll do but um other than that i'm not going to do like the iron man it's like a chinese corporation owns them like well, they, just, they just sold it oh they sold it oh who, who's the new owner the, the new owner is the family that owns condi nast magazine out of oh. new york wow and it's and it was actually financed sort of by people uh, uh, uh an investment group in new zealand and stuff but the deal is is that they bought Iron Man, but uh, the Wanda Group, which is the Chinese group, the Wanda Group has the um, license to run the events, to do the events for now. Wow. If there are any events. Yeah. 
it's cool. I mean, I, yeah, it's like I love biking, swimming, and running all separately. But then, you know, it's, you know when you put them all together into into that, I don't know. It turned, yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, I, I I think like the Captain Cook Challenge is perfect because it's swimming, running, yeah. biking, and running again. Running exactly. You know, it seems like a lot of the like the Ironman seems like bike heavy. You know, like you have to be like a super into biking to to kind of feel good at that you know well now dude you're turning into a pretty good biker here uh it's it's fun just to be out kind of pedaling around and seeing cool cool sights <laughs> wait now you do you and alex have matching kits you know triathlon kits yes yeah, so we have um iron man um, insignia i'm actually thinking about getting a tattoo <laughs> the iron man i bike i bike i ride my bike 100 miles you know? <laughs> and i could even do what is it a, a, called a brick what is, that's when you do like a bike and then a run a brick it's got to be like labeled something right and then i i brick man do you brick you don't you don't know yeah <laughs> i mean you're coming from the same place that i am where it was like there was less thought involved in planning a lot of times and it was just it, a, a lot of the events that I've done have been based more on feelings. Yeah, yeah you know, it's cool. To, you know, it's just cool to adventure, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. It with it is just 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 cool to adventure and see, you know, get out and see see where we're living. You know. <laughs> so it, it is it the, the what you're and Alex doing? Don't you have some? Isn't there some adventuring things camps? I thought I saw on the website. Adventuring camps? Oh, it's like, oh, like, oh, yeah, it's like some friends have come over and, um, like, we've kind of gone, like, on some of the, like, iconic places around the island to run and, you know, just kind of fun stuff like that, you know, like going to, like, Waipio to Waimanu one day and then go to, like, Halapea the next and then the next go up to Mauna Kea, you know, so it's just kind of cool. Yeah, you know, there's so many cool iconic places here to run that are, you know, like, you know, kind of like the Havasu Falls or something like that, you know, like, they're just, like, these unique places. And we're fortunate to have several of those kind of places here. Well, I, th I think, uh, I know I'll speak personally. I'm fortunate to have you as a friend. And I think Hawaii is very fortunate to have you as somebody who is, is here, you know, sharing oh, yeah. aloha. Yeah. Yeah, I feel super fortunate just to be out, have, to have been able to live here and to make it work. You know, it's, I never, never would have got like 10 years ago or whatever, 20 years ago, like, oh, you would be living in Volcano Hawaii. Like, what? How did that happen? Never. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the title for this podcast I'll, I'll put. Billy Barnett, what? How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Billy. Thank you for the time. I, I appreciate it. I certainly well, thank you. It's nice, nice talking with you. And I, I will definitely, I will label this like part one. Hey, yeah, great time. It's nice. I, like, love, love, like, love to hear more about your uh, time, your travels too. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just old. That's all. <laughs> you know. Well, apparently I'm in my late forties, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in your late forties. Alex has a thirteen-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, happy again. Uh, aloha, ma uh, mahali nu nui loa and stuff for uh, uh, 
being willing to sit down and chit chat and stuff. And as we say here in Hawaii, talk story. So I'm going to, I'm going to press the magic keys if I remember which ones they are and the, and uh, pause the, the recording and stuff now. So thank you, Billy. Right. Thank you. Aloha again. And thank you, Billy, for uh, taking the time for us to have a little chit chat, talk story, as we say here in Hawaii. And I, I want to make sure that I mention uh, a couple of the races that we talked about. There was certainly the time for wine, which if you go to Hawaii Mountain Running, uh, yeah, Hawaii Mountain Running, yeah, you can see uh, the webpage there. There's two different races that uh, Billy and Alex still have going on here. One is the time for wine, which is tentatively now for August 22nd. And the other race is the uh, Under the Moon. There we go. Here it is. Under the Moon 100K, which is 62 miles. It's tentatively set for June 6th right now. So uh, hopefully those races will uh, happen and uh, we can uh, enjoy those. And because there are races that are kind of very isolated and uh, there shouldn't be a problem really social distancing, hopefully, and hopefully things will get better too. But uh, again, thank you, Billy Barnett. And uh, indeed, this will be part one of Billy Barnett because Billy, for his young age, as much as I tease him, is, has done an amazing amount of uh, stuff, shall we say. And him and Alex are great. So I want to do an interview with them specifically about, I think it's going to be about running, uh, recovering from running injuries, which, uh, you know, maybe people now have more of an opportunity because there aren't any races going on to uh, recover. So again, if you want to support us, you can subscribe uh, on YouTube. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and just about every other podcast uh, audio site. Uh, by just searching for Big Island Hawaii Ultra. That usually brings us up. You can always email me at uh, joe at joefireball.com. I'd love to hear from you. And any comments and any uh, suggestions that you have, we are going to be probably doing uh, once. It's still going to be a while. We're gonna, I'm going to still focus on the Big Island here in Hawaii, but I'm going to think I'm going to start branching out to maybe Oahu and some of the people that I know on Oahu that uh, will have the time for an interview. So again, mahalo nui loa to Billy and appreciate uh, the time that you have now to uh, watch uh, a little bit of uh, another person's uh, running career and running life, but also make sure you guys go out there and still do it. So aloha. Aloha.